You pick up your Bible and wonder, is there more here than meets the eye? Is there something here for me? I mean, it's just words printed on paper, right? Well, it may look like just print on a page, but it's more than ink. Join us for the next half hour as we explore God's Word together, as we learn how to explore it on our own, as we ask God to meet us there in its pages. Welcome to More Than Ink. Hey, in the backyard, when your chickens see a shadow of a hawk on the ground, what yeah. do they do? Oh, they go to ground and they look up because there's a reality that they have to deal with. Right, a reality they have to deal with. Shadows can be helpful to tell us about... Something that's really there. Yeah, today in Hebrews on, on More, More Than, Than Ink. Ink. Well, good morning. This is Jim. And I'm Dorothy. And we are here again at our dining room table. We say that all the time. Well, that's because that's because where we, we always are. are. That's, right. <laughs> that's where we do this. I can't think of a better place. I can't think of a better place to study the Word. You could do it anywhere. You well, it actually, room. during the week when I am preparing to teach the studies that I lead, I always have my stuff spread out here yeah. on the dining room table. Yeah. So it's, it's a great place to do it. It's so. my central spot. So we are continuing in the book of Hebrews and in, uh, and actually coming to something of a of a high point and a conclusion this this week and next week. But it dawned on me, it dawned on me that uh, this section we're in Hebrews right now is uh, it's apropos for this part of the calendar of this year in oh, 2021. Sure, because uh, this uh, this broadcast is coming out on September 18th, September yeah September 18th on Saturday. Two days ago was uh, Yom Kippur mm-hmm. on the uh, Jewish calendar, and that's the Day of Atonement. Probably the biggest calendar date for all Jews is the Day of Atonement. That's where their attendance peaks and stuff. But it's where they really come to a a, uh, a peaked what do you want to call it, realization of their sin and dealing with their sin. There's fasting. There's a lot of stuff that goes on. You could look it up. Just Google Yom Kippur. That's what it's called, Yom Kippur. And uh, but, but interestingly enough, when you go back in Leviticus, and we always mention back in Leviticus and uh, those books, um, it, it describes what goes on on the Day of Atonement, and it happens. It happens on the tenth day of the seventh month, and that's what this is. You know, two days ago was in the Jewish calendar, but it really is dealing with the issue of sins and dealing with kind of a preeminent sacrifice mm-hmm. for the nation of Israel. Remember the two goats and the bull that are sacrificed, and that's that's mentioned in Leviticus sixteen. And so it's it's interesting as a lead into this because uh, that's very much on Jews' minds right now as we do this broadcast. Is we're a couple days after the day of atonement that's consciousness of sin and the conscience of sin is really what they're they're dealing with well uh, and as i understand it in these days in which we live as they come to the day of atonement it is a a reconciling and a closing the books right. on last year's sin right. and starting over with a fresh page right. on the coming year's right. sin. And it's <laughs> it's very you know in the Jewish uh, in the Jewish mindset, repentance and confession are big deals at this time mm-hmm. of year. So, but what I wanted to point out to as a nice segue into this section in Hebrews ten today is the fact that they they focus on this sacrifice which they cannot do right now right. because the temple's not there. But in old time Israel, that was the case. The case was you need to do something to atone for the sins of the entire nation. And so every single year, year after year after year, on the 10th day of the seventh month, you offered sacrifices. And as the writer of Hebrews brings us in here in the middle of Hebrews 10, he's saying this repeated offer of sacrifices, now that Christ has come, 
is obsolete, no longer needed. And that sort of sets up for where we are today as we come into Hebrews 10. Well, and and this idea is going to come up again and again that the yeah. law had said offer sacrifices. God had set right. up this that system. That was his law, yeah. But why did he do it? Mm-hmm. He did it as a, as a shadow, as an indicator of the greater reality. Right. And so that's really what the writer of Hebrews is kind of finishing up that thought right in this chapter 10 so we we come into chapter 10 talking about the superiority of christ's sacrifice and uh, as i think about yom kippur two days ago i'm thinking yeah christ is the superior sacrifice so you want to lead us off in chapter 10 verse 1 and just sure read us in through first couple verses sure so. so we're starting right at the beginning of chapter 10 and if you remember he's the writer has talked about the better things to come and the uh, the good things to come he said we have a better covenant we have better right. promises we have a better priest we have an eternal redemption uh, all of these betters he mm-hmm. has talked about up to this point and now he's he's beginning in chapter 10 well 10 for us it wasn't for the writer it was just simply <laughs> this is where on. we are this is the number address we have <laughs> chapter 10 so for since the law was but a shadow of the good things shadow. to come instead of the true form of these realities it can never by the same sacrifices that are continually offered every year make perfect those who draw near hmm. oh okay wait that's a good stopping point <laughs> he we uses only made it through the one verse. picture of a shadow <laughs> yeah. right and i was thinking about that a little bit yeah. uh, the fact that there's a shadow of something indicates that there is a something there's a, right? a real there's something. A, a real concrete mm-hmm. reality that the light is stopping on so that the shadow is created and that's a really helpful image because sometimes we get confused and we think that the shadow is the reality right we confuse them or exactly i mean that was in psalm 23 when david Mm -hmm. says though i walk through the valley of the shadow of death Yeah. yeah right so uh anyway the writer says the law is the just the shadow of those good things to come and right. not the concrete reality. And the shadow is useful oh, to that, tell you a lot about the reality. Because it tells you there is a reality. Exactly. But you don't want to stop on the reality of the shadow. There's a real reality right. that casts that shadow. Right. That's okay. what he's saying. So that's, that's all in first one. He says those sacrifices, because they were a shadow, mm-hmm. can never make perfect those who draw near. Right. Otherwise, would they not have ceased to be offered I mean, since exactly. the worshipers, having once been cleansed, would no longer have any consciousness of sins. But in these sacrifices, there's a reminder of sins every year. For it's impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. That's a good stopping place. I, I, I think it is. <laughs> he, he's, he's really coming to the end of this superior sacrifice kind of thing because even, even the shadow, the shadow, which is these sacrifices, the goats and the bulls and all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff, they, they, they don't get you to where you need to be. That's why he says, you know, they, they, um, they fail to, to make you perfect. And that, you know, we talked about that perfect word right. a lot. It, it's about coming to the end of the process, the completion of the process. Right. So, Nothing more is needed. Yeah. So it, so actually, that sort of makes sense because they're doing it year after year. So they're never really getting there. And they're being continually reminded because right. it's never eternally dealt with. Right, right. So it, it comes as a reminder every year as they do it about what's going on and what the problem is in their lives, and that problem is sin itself. So the, the, that idea of the no longer having any consciousness of sin, well, mm-hmm. you know, that's that kind of abiding awareness yeah. that testifies inside it's me. that little voice that says, my, wow, you really messed that's up. That's right. My own condition <laughs> before God. I have this little voice in me going, mm, not mm. good enough, not good enough, not good enough. Right, right. 
And so, so offering the blood of bulls and goats will never satisfy that. All it does is it very graphically portrays to you that something dies as a result of your conduct. Right. Oh boy. And it just reminds you that over and over. It never really takes care of it. And that you are the one who's deserving the death. Right. Right. And, and so we already talked about this, but this picture of the blood, uh, the life has been in the blood. And so the mm-hmm. blood is shed for you and you benefit, you benefit with life right. from another losing its life. Right. That's the picture of the blood. So this is all that he's, he's talking about. He's saying, this is, this is not going to get you there. This made me flash on a presentation that the apostle Paul made when he was on one of his missionary tours mm-hmm. and he was up in the middle of what is present day Turkey up in Antioch up there. And and in Acts 13, he, he closes his presentation to the Jews up there and says basically this, you know, he says, so let it be known to you, therefore, brothers, that through this man, Jesus, forgiveness of sins mm. is proclaimed to you. And by him, everyone who believes is freed or justified from everything from which you could not be freed by the law right. of Moses. Right. So he, he just cuts to the quick and says this law, the sacrifice of bulls and goats, it's not going to justify. It's not going to free you from this problem of keeping sin. the law. Period. Yeah, exactly. Does not free you. Yeah, and that was that was Paul's big message as he traveled around the world and spoke to Jews. He was in a synagogue here for the Jews, so he's saying, "Look, that that, that sacrifice stuff, it's not going to get you there." And here, the right of Hebrew says, "It's not going to get you there. You're not going to you're not mm-hmm. going to come to completion because of that." But it is a potent reminder right. of your problem. Right. So that's what he goes over through and through. And so he says, what's the answer to that? The new covenant is the answer to that. The answer to the problem of sin, not a reminder of sin, but the problem of sin is the superior sacrifice in Christ. And so he's been talking about this new covenant through the blood of, of Christ, right. really from the very beginning the very of beginning. the letter. And yeah. again, if you've just joined us, we're in the letter to the Hebrews right. uh, in right. chapter 10. So let's read on. Consequently, when Christ came into the world, that's God's anointed appointed one came into the world he said sacrifices and offerings you have not desired but a body you have prepared for me in burnt offerings and sin offerings you've taken no pleasure then i said behold i've come to do your will O god as it's written of me in the scroll of the book Mm. when he said above you've neither desired nor taken pleasure in sacrifices and offerings and sin offerings and these are offered according to the law then he added behold i've come to do your will he does away with the first Mm -hmm. in order to establish the second and by that will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of jesus christ once Once for all all. oh my gosh how many times has he used that phrase once for all in hebrews this is a good study technique when you come across a phrase that is repeated every time you find it spoken afresh go back and see where it was before because this is oh it's probably come up half a dozen times in the last couple of chapters once for all yeah and it's always in the context of sacrifices. Right. Again, it reminds me of Yom Kippur this year. You know, you do these sacrifices over and over and over, but there is a once for all sacrifice. So there's a huge question here when he says, um, in burnt offerings and sin offerings, you've taken no pleasure. He's mm-hmm. quoting Psalm 40, right? Right. Uh, but if God wrote the burnt offerings and the sin offerings into the law, how is it that that doesn't please him? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what is in this passage that helps us? So that's a kind of a question that should be arising great, in your mind as you read question. this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. If God asks for it, why is it not pleasing to him? Right. Yeah. Indeed, actually, in Isaiah 1, God says, it's worthless. Mm-hmm. I'm counting mm-hmm. all of your trampling of my courts with the 
blood of bulls and goats as right. worthless right because right. they were coming without the heart they were thinking oh we can slaughter enough bulls and shed enough blood and right. that'll satisfy god yeah yeah and i you know it even makes me flash back to when you know god's talking about uh circumcision way back in genesis mm-hmm. And, uh, and even at that very beginning, he right. says, you know, the circumcision, the physical circumcision is not the deal. It's the circumcision of the heart. Right. And that comes out in the very beginning in Genesis where he talks about this circumcision as a physical mark to show that you belong to God. Right. And then Moses uh-huh. unpacks that in Deuteronomy. Exactly. So, so the heart issue, the internal issue the, with this consciousness of sin, that's really the reality. That's the issue. Not just the cutting, the not just the external stuff. Yeah, yeah, they're a shadow. They're a shadow of something that's going on internally. But if the internal thing doesn't happen, then the, then the shadows don't mean anything. So. so it says over and over again, I've come to do your will Mm -hmm, to make it mm -hmm. real to act it out yeah right and psalm 40 says i delight to do your will oh my god your Mm -hmm. law is within my heart yeah Yeah. so that raised the question in my mind just even as i was reading this today well what does please god what Mm -hmm. is his will if the if this passage says so clearly no that he's come to do the will of god Right, right and that by that will God's will, we've been sanctified through mm-hmm. the offering of the body of Jesus. Well, what is it that God requires? Right. Well, all through the Old Testament, God requires his people to be holy. Right. To love what he loves, to be who he calls them to be. Right? If you think back to the Shema in Deuteronomy 6, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your might. Right. You no, know, and I know I'm <laughs> <laughs> These are the things that struck me as I was kind of preparing to talk with you all about this mm-hmm, today, that mm-hmm. that the doing of God's will is where we get confused. Right. Right. That the doing of God's will comes from the heart. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah. And it's it's clear. Jesus says this a couple places, I, as I recall, mm-hmm. I think it's in Matthew, several places that, you know, out of your heart comes things That's that you right. say. Out of your heart comes evil stuff. The heart is actually the reality of who you are, That's not right. just the stuff that comes out. The stuff that comes out is kind of to clue you in about what's inside your invisible heart, which is just junk. Yeah. Right. So that that's the real reality. So to do your will and to love your will and to love what God loves and to love God himself, that's the real heart of the issue. Yeah. That's the heart of the issue. And these these bloody sacrifices were meant to remind you that you're not lined up with God's will if you're doing sin. You're 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 kind right. of going off the rails in the wrong direction and and because of that, life is not coming your way except through the death of another. Right. So it's it's a very strong and you know, when we say we we use that word sanctified in here in this passage. Mm. And that, and remember, you have to remember every time you see that word sanctify, it, 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 that's the process of, of bringing you to complete separateness and Becoming holiness. Holy. Yeah. Yeah. And it really, it always has the idea of pulling you out of something mm-hmm. and into something. And so when he talks about sanctify, he's talking about pulling you out of the muck that we live in, yeah. pulling you out of the influence of yeah. evil and sin, all that stuff that messes you up. He's actually going to pull you out of that. The stuff that your conscience says, man, I am all messed up. He is actively pulling you out of that. And the place you get to when it's finished, you know, the telos, when you get perfected, that's where you're outside of that. So God's in the process of pulling us out of this world of junk and sin, which is so pervasive, it actually is not on the outside of us. It's on the inside of and us. And that's as well. God's will that we be sanctified, that we be made pulled holy, that, right? pulled away out yeah. from the from the death and the sin. Yeah, yeah, exactly. To be near Him. Yeah. So if you really wanted to simplify the old and new covenant, the old covenant told you 
how up to your waist you were in sin. <laughs> and the new covenant says, I'll pull you out of that hmm. through the blood of Christ. And, and that's, a, that's a whole different thing. So there's really nothing wrong with the first covenant, you know, the original covenant, the covenant that, that and which. Well, with the, with the central idea of it, God said, though, he found fault with it. Yeah, and but the fault it, he found with it was was the fact that we couldn't keep it. That we couldn't keep it, and he always knew we couldn't keep right. it. Right, but it served a very powerful purpose, like Paul says, to tutor us and point us to our right. need, and our need is Christ, and that comes in the second covenant, the new covenant. Together, they the first one is kind of like bad news, the second one is like good news in a sense. But but even you know even he says that the law of Moses was good, but it was limited and it had its usefulness, but its usefulness has now kind of waned, and now that Christ has come we move on to the new covenant about not just coming to a reminder of sin, but coming to a solution to sin. And that's what he does in the body of Christ. That's why he's a superior sacrifice. And that's why he only needs to do it once. Okay. So we need to read on. Yep. Uh, and need- every priest this is verse 11. Verse 11. We're in Hebrews 10, verse 11. And every priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which over. can never take away sins. Yep. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. For by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. Right, right. There it is again. Once for all, for all time, Mm -hmm. he's done it. There's nothing more to be added. Yep, yep. And this, he says he sat down, right? That takes us clear back to the beginning of the book. Right. And it also it also emphasizes when you see the sit down on the right hand, we've talked about this before, but he's he's returning to his place of authority and power, mm-hmm. actually symbolically speaking, you know, throne room and stuff like that. But what he's saying is what he was sent to do is done. He did, right. It's telos, it's done. And uh, done once, and that you don't have to keep redoing. Christ does not need to come back every couple of years and die again for the people, because that one-time sacrifice paid for everyone once for all—the single, single offering, not the repeated offerings—and it's done. Well, and again, it's God's will that we be holy, and mm-hmm. He has made that so right. through the offering of the blood of Christ. Right. It's not anything we don't sign up for it and say, "I will, I will, I will," because the yeah. New Covenant says. God says, I will, I will, I will. It's God right. who does all the pledging right. in the new covenant. And, and where, where the first covenant was misinterpreted by the Jews, they thought, if I'm really dutiful. Right. if I do this good enough. Just do this really, really well. Toe the line on doing these sacrifices, and, and it's, it's up to me to do that, that if I do that perfectly, I'll be okay. And, uh, and that mindset kind of bubbles over into the time of Christ and even bubbles over into the time of now. It's basically what I do is going to change whether or not I'm saved or not. And in this passage and all the passages in the New and Old Covenant, that's not the issue. It's not what you accomplish that does no. that. And uh, in the sacrifices in Moses' time, they were just reminders of the fact that, man, you, you messed up this week and you're going to mess up next week and you're going to be offering sacrifices and blood all the time for your pervasive sinfulness. That, that's a bummer message. But the whole point of the new covenant is that what Jesus did right. is enough. Yeah. And I think I said this last week or maybe the week before when Paul says it so succinctly in 2 Corinthians 5.21, hmm. he made him who knew no sin to become to be sin, sin yeah. on our behalf that we might become the righteousness of God right. in him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... This is the completeness of this one sacrifice. Mm-hmm. So he's, Nothing more needed. So the writer of Hebrews is using a very familiar image they know about the sacrifices they go through. And he says, look, 
that that's all done. And in fact, I've always wondered whether a Jew, when they would go in over and over and over and over and, and offer, you know, sacrifices and lambs and goats and bulls and doves and all this blood, I, I always wondered whether they think to themselves, when will this be done? When can I stop doing this? Mm-hmm. And the problem is, is if you're sinful, you can't, and there's nothing you can do to stop that. But in Christ, you can put all that down and say it's done. Well, and those who who really had hearts for God and have hearts for God always understood I think so. That this was yeah. a shadow. I mean, David wrote about it in Psalm 51. I think a lot of Jews picked up the imagery. They got it. They yes. really got it. A sense of desperation where you throw your hands up to God and say, God, help me. I am I'm in a bad yeah. way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's just great good news. Should we push on? And, yep. Yeah. Okay. So in verse 15, 15, and the Holy Spirit also bears witness to us after saying, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those mm. days, right? After the sacrifice of Messiah. Mm. This is the covenant I'll make with them after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my laws on their hearts and write them on their minds. And then he adds, I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. Where there's forgiveness of these, there is no longer no any offering longer. for sin. Amen. Yay. Amen. We <laughs> do not have to drag a goat down to the temple yeah, and right. slaughter that poor animal's blood right. in order to cover our sin. Or in a modern context, volunteer for more voluntary things at church to do, kind of work off your sinfulness by doing mm. more good, You know, change the balance of good to bad in my life. That doesn't work. That yeah, and actually work. the writer of Hebrews in the next chapter, I think is going to say, you know, let's offer to God a sacrifice that's pleasing to him, which is the fruit of lips that give thanks to exactly. his name. Exactly, yeah. So things, things change. Sacrifice is different for us now. So here, in these words right here, he really, he brings the the sacrifice issue of Christ mm-hmm. over everything. He brings this to a close. Complete. It's like, bingo, we're done. That's the end of that. Once for all. And he comes back and he reinvokes this Jeremiah 31 passage, yeah. which is brought before. And, and what a fascinating thing. Again, we I just you can't underscore this enough. The law of God, which is a statement of righteousness, a heart mm-hmm. of righteousness, is now written on our hearts. And right. It's not applied externally to our actions. It's actually written on our hearts, which means that we delight in righteousness from the insides out. So it's it's the opposite of what Jesus says from the heart comes all this evil. He says, well, now guess what's in your heart now? My law, my statement of righteousness is in your heart and you delight in doing this. And we don't have to apply a speeding law in your life applied from the outside. Because you'll love doing righteousness. So you remember that when that young man came to Jesus and said, tell me, what is the greatest commandment in the law? Right? Mm -hmm. Because essentially, I got to find that one and do it. And Jesus' answer was, and I think three of the four Gospels record this. Here's the greatest commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, your might, your strength. Love him with everything you are. And love your neighbor as yourself. Yep. That has always been the heart of what God requires of man, that we love God and then we love what he loves. Yep. And that comes from inside us. Yeah, that heart issue is the true reality rather, right. than, rather than the shadow. Right. That's the true reality. So Jesus came to change the true reality of your heart by writing on your heart righteousness, something that you'll love. Yeah. And, 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 you know, Jesus also said, if you love me, you'll, you'll do my commandments. You'll keep you'll do what my I commandments. Said because you love what Jesus loves. Right. You, so that's this, that package is all tied together. And here we are finally, finally in reality being transformed from the inside out so that our outward actions match a, hmm. a transformed heart. And I always say, Jesus told people, you'll know people 
by their fruits, by the outside of their life. You'll know what's in their heart based on what's right, in the outside. Right, because what you are inside is going to find its it way out of your mouth, whether you <laughs> are aware of it or not. It leaks out. Or in what you do. Right. Yeah. And so now, instead of trying to fake it on the outside, God can transform you on the inside. Right. And that now, that righteousness leaks out into your actions. It's a, it, it looks like the same thing on the outside, but the flow is different. It's not faked fruit. It's real fruit from a transformed I would heart. say it might look the same on the outside. People attempt to make it right. look the same. Right. Yeah. I call that fake fruit. You know, I need to do these good things and stuff like right. that. But, but now, and, and so now you don't have to sit down wondering what you have to accomplish. You know, what, what good right. things do I have to do today? What good things do I have to add to my list? That was the equivalent of the, the warp thinking on the first government. But, you know, what do I have to sacrifice today? Because what did I do bad this week? No, he's transformed you from the inside out. For one time, once, once and for all, for all, which applies not only to my sins in the past, but all the sins I'll do in the future as completed. well. Completed. Nothing more is right. needed. Right. So, you know, that is an essential study skill is to look for those repeated ideas and phrases. Yep. And that's really what he's driving home here. The once for all, uh, the accomplishment, the perfection, the nothing more being needed as the common... Um, phrases that we run into so often in our body of believers that Jesus is enough. Jesus is enough. Jesus is enough. Yeah, Jesus is enough. And because of that, embracing that truth, we can rest. We can rest. We can rest. And so we start this wonderful place that God had always intended for us to live in rest because Mm. of that. But sin always destroys that, always brings separation from God, destroys that rest. And so he's going to slowly make his way toward that idea again of what God intends for us, this rest. Mm -hmm. But he had to deal with the problem of sin first. And and here we have the superior sacrifice in Christ once for all. And so next week as we start into the rest of chapter 10, he's going to start it off with a nice summarizing word, therefore. Therefore. (laughs) And so he'll wrap it all up and talk about the superiority of the new covenant, the superiority superiority not only of the sacrifice, but of the high priest. So we hope you join us then because it's just a wonderful wrap up of what he's been talking about for many many weeks here in hebrews before he gets real practical in chapter 12 exactly exactly (laughs) so i'm jim and i'm dorothy and we are just delighted with it we hope you're keeping up with us because we think this is kind of like the best stuff in the entire bible just about so join us next week as we continue in in hebrews here on more More than Than ink is a production of Main Street Church of Brigham City and is solely responsible for its content. To contact us with your questions or comments, just go to our website, morethaninc.org. <laughs> I forgot we were going. Gotta get to the reality. <laughs>